Welcome to Warehouse Church. It's so good to have you guys with us today. A little bit different, isn't it? <laughs> Listen, I'm Clayton. I'm the pastor here at Warehouse Church. It is so good. If you're a first-time visitor here with us today, maybe it's your first time in a long time, it is great to have you guys with us today. And if you're watching online for the very first time, this is not something we do every week, but it's so much fun. We're excited about what God is going to do today. And, um, and I know, I know that God is going to speak to all of us today through this testimony. And so one of our core values at Warehouse Church is that we celebrate God's big story, which is the gospel story, uh, redemption for all, salvation for all. And we also celebrate every other story he's writing. If there's breath in your lungs, He's still writing your story. Amen? No one, absolutely no one. God's not finished with you yet. He is not finished with you yet. I'm excited today about hearing from two of our very own here at Warehouse Church. And so I, without further ado, I'm going to welcome up to the stage Josh and Jenny Stone. Come on up, guys. Come on up. I'm so excited about what God has uh, already been doing this morning. And so as you guys get situated, Jenny wants the pillow. Okay. All right. So again, we've, we've not done something like this before. And so it's really, really exciting for us. You guys excited? Okay. You might want to turn that mic on. <laughs> very, he said very excited. If you didn't hear him, he said very excited. Little green light pop up. Very excited. There you go. Jenny, how are you feeling? You got the bad one. We're just going to share Josh's then. Don't worry. Great. How you feeling? Great. <laughs> Why'd well, you hide it under the cushion? <laughs> I'm just kidding, guys. I'm just kidding. But we're going to have a good time with you guys today. And um, Josh and Jenny's story is one of transformation. And as much as I've heard both of them, uh, I've heard Josh quite a bit talk about his story and been around Josh for quite a while, and Jenny has been with us now uh, for quite a while. And so uh, just a, uh, maybe a couple months ago, Jenny was able, able to share her story at Celebrate Recovery down at Destination Community Church. And so I'm excited for her to be able to share some of that with us today. And so just kind of getting us started, the first thing I want to ask you guys is tell us, uh, Jenny, I'm going to ask you first, of course, um, your story is one of transformation. Tell me about what God was transforming you from. Take us back to pre-transformation. What was your life like? And um, kind of where did you find yourself in that time? Well, when I was 12 or 14, um, I got placed in foster care. My mom kind of lost custody of me. And uh, ironically enough, she wasn't in addiction. She just wasn't fit to be a mom. You know, she tried. Mama really did try. But uh, my dad wasn't really in my life from the time that I was three and still to this day. But uh, so he couldn't get custody of me either. But uh, a lot of bad things happened in foster care and um, I just tried to hide from that. You know, I tried to uh, heal myself. I was trying to find love and everything. And um, I just feel like I was good enough to be loved. You know, my mom couldn't keep me, you know, nobody else in my family could get me or anything like that. You know, they didn't even really try. So, um, yeah, there's that, and um, uh, I was just known as the bad kid, you know, that's how I felt, you know, and I kept getting told that, kept getting tossed to different group homes and stuff, so, yeah, I just kind of labeled myself as the bad kid, you know, just go do the bad kid things, and then here comes heroin, you know? After you hear that for so long, like, you're worthless, you're nobody, you're considered the bad person in society... Once you hear that for so long, it really does something to your psyche, doesn't it? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I felt less than, less than. So I 
resorted to self-harm and, you know, became very suicidal, had several attempts, didn't, you know, obviously steal the deal. And I just didn't feel worthy of love, you know, so I constantly was looking for love, constantly, in all the wrong people, places, and things. I remember you telling me that um, you didn't look people in the eye back then because oh, yeah. you felt like you weren't, like, on that level with people. Yeah, like, I didn't feel worthy enough to have eye contact. You know, it was like they could see inside my soul and how crappy of a person I was, that I wasn't worthy enough to, you know, look you straight in the eye. You know? So tell me about, like, you know, sort of, you started heroin at a very young age. Um, what did all that look like? Like, what did that lead you to? Well... Quickly, I lost everything, you know. Um, I did become a mom, but I didn't really want to be, you know, like have that family. Because even when I was a child, like I didn't have family, you know. Like I don't remember, you know, having a persistent family, you know. So I didn't want that. Like, why would I want to be a mom and put my kids through that, you know. Like it's a constant cycle, you know. I didn't want that. So when I did become a mom, like I'm not saying my kids are a mistake, you know. But it was just like. I don't want that. Like, I'm not, I can't be a mom. Like, I don't even love myself. How can I love my children? You know, like what? But, you know, I did try. But then heroin happened. And, man, I lost everything. And, uh, yeah, like everything, you know, really so quickly. through that time, you, you were married. Yeah. You got married through that process. You ended up, you had three kids. Is that yeah. right? During that time. And you were still actively uh, addicted and, and using. Yeah. I just were you, did you end up going to jail during that time? Um, I didn't go to jail until after I lost custody of my kids because of child support and all that. Yeah, so just a very dark time of your life. Yeah. Josh, I'm going to ask you the same question. Like prior to transformation, like what really? Now tell us about the lifestyle that you were living. Well, uh, let's see. Um, before transformation, uh, I was living. I mean, just a completely addicted life. Uh, at, when I was younger, I was probably about, I don't know, 11 years old when I first started experimenting with, like, marijuana and stuff like that. Started smoking weed. And uh, when I was, let's see, I played football in middle school. And uh, I started playing football and, you know. It's probably hard to believe. I mean, Josh, tiny Josh, football player. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> well, you know, uh, I do have, like, a full head of hair. So, you know, there's that. Really? We're going to go there this morning? Wow. Wow, okay, all right, moving on, moving on. So, uh, <laughs> basically, uh, I just fell into that, that whole crowd of people who, who was using or, you know, smoking and stuff like that. I fell into that really, like, I felt accepted there. Like, the only thing that I wanted was, like, growing up was to be cool. I wanted to be cool so bad that I would do, my friends would talk me into doing really dumb things just to get, like, you know, approval, acceptance from them. But your but your childhood wasn't like you didn't come from a terrible home life and, no. and things like that. No, like whenever I was younger, like you know anything I ever wanted for Christmas, I got it. Like we didn't have like we wasn't rich by no means, but like you know I you know my family loved me very much, and uh, you know they they was always there for me, supportive and and things like that. And uh, I kind of just you know wandered off on my own little path, like seeking you know the next buzz that I could catch. So you think, though, that in the beginning, you're, you're the beginning of all of this, like your addictions and things started because you were wanting to be in that crowd of yeah. people, like wanting like, to be accepted by people. Yeah, I, wanted, I, wanted, I was seeking the acceptance of people, you know yeah. what I mean? And just a really desire to have like a, you know, just to be looked at as somebody who was really cool. Yeah. Know? What's the farthest away from God that you felt? 
the farthest away from God, let's see. So <clears throat> when I was 23, I started experimenting with heroin. And, uh, uh, well, I started out doing pain pills. And then I moved on to heroin and meth. <clears throat> and I quickly become like, like, I didn't know what was going to happen when I tried these drugs. Like, I thought, ooh, we'll have some fun. We'll get a buzz going on. And I had no idea I was going to become a drug addict. I didn't even know what that was. Yeah. And I quickly found out whenever I woke up one morning and I felt like I was going to die. And it, I knew it wasn't going to stop unless I got more drugs. You know, so uh, the farthest I was away from God, uh, I would say I was about eight years into my addiction. And uh, my cousin, he, uh, he overdosed and died. Uh, he's my best friend in the world at this time. And uh, he... Uh, it was really devastating to our family and because uh, nobody, we never stopped and thought like, I never thought to myself like about, you know, I never thought dude could die. His name was David, but we all called him dude. Yeah. He was one of the coolest people you ever meet in your life. Uh, he was just, he was hilarious, super funny. He had an amazing personality. And, uh, but like, you know, to paint kind of a scene, you know, like right before I moved out here, uh, I was at this trap house where, you know, everybody uses and everybody's trying to figure out how much money they got to throw in and get more drugs and stuff. And this girl, she had overdosed and died upstairs. And uh, my cousin come running downstairs, his name's Grant. He come running downstairs talking about, this, you know, this girl uh, had died, her face was blue. And uh, everyone ran outside, but me and Grant stayed. And we went up there and, and we started performing CPR. Had no idea how to do CPR, but we just kind of like did what we thought was right, you know. And uh, we uh, even said a prayer, you know, and she ended up coming back. So that was kind of like, I was at my lowest right there. It's like, you know, people are dying around me and, you know, just completely broken. Yeah. Jenny, what do you think was the moment you were farthest away from God during your addiction time? Well, as you may or may not know, when you are addicted or you fall away from God or whatever, and you're walking with God, every time you go out there, it's tenfold. And I was trying, like, after an overdose, I've overdosed so many times. But uh, in 2017, I uh, tried to walk and meet God and figure out who he is and realizing that he's not some man in the clouds just chilling, surfing or whatever. And crazy enough, 2019, like, I let the heroin go because my best friend, you know, died of an overdose. And then 2019, I got reacquainted with it, which, ironically enough, met this guy from church and everything so I was like okay he got baptized so he must be you know some some Jesus you know yeah. like okay no he was actually right in the fence you know he was playing on both fields but um come to find out he was making heroin so it was like this is a whole different ball game in meth you know so I was like all right let's do this before I knew it bam you know like hardcore within a week my rock bottomest that I've ever been low in my life. Like, here it is. Two black guys, broken nose, two overdoses. That was like, okay, this is it. Like, I'm legit about to die. Here we are. Like, it was low. And even my oldest son, like, knew that I was on heroin. And I thought that, you know, I was hiding it from everybody. Come to find out I really wasn't as hidden, as invisible as I thought I was. Yeah. So... So that'll probably take us to the moment where you feel like that you have this surrender moment. Oh, yeah. Like, you know, I know from your own story, both of you had this moment where you feel like that was the moment. You can pinpoint the moment where you feel like that surrender happened. Tell us about that. Well, I constantly would uh, use God, if you will, when I needed him and then get mad at him when I didn't get what I wanted. You know, yeah. like I, I said, I was very suicidal. 
So if my goal to die didn't work, then I would curse him. You know, how dare you? Let me go. You only have me here to be tormented. You know, I don't have a call and a purpose. You lied about me. I don't tell God that, first of all, but I was, you know. <laughs> That's real talk right there. I mean, seriously, like, I thought I knew more than God, and I didn't. But anywho, every time the cops would come for me or something, I would always use that, no weapon formed against me shall prosper prayer. But crazy enough, I'm on a binger, and I kept calling my mom. You know, she washed her hands of me, she kicked me out, you know, and all this stuff. And then this last time, her and my shoe shoe would always come get me every single time. And this last time, um, I told her just a heads up, I look worse than I did the last time. Hmm. The last time just, you know, had a little marks on my neck and all that. But this time, you know, got some black eyes, got a broken nose, you know. Hey, bear yourself. But anyways, uh, got some sleep, ready to go again. Got my phone. And this time, you know, she's telling me, you're going to die. I was like, yeah, that's my goal. If I make it, you know, I'll succeed this time. And so this time, you know, I had a warrant and everything, and she called the police. And they came, you know, looking for me. This time, they were quick. Normally, it takes them a good 30, 45 minutes. You know, you do your deed, you're good, you get away with it, you know? Yeah. This time, I turned the corner, and bam, six of them. <laughs> six of them. This time, I have my backpack, you know, and all this, ready to rock. This time, I'm trying to say, no weapon formed, forget it. You know, I was tired. I was literally tired. I was done. And the cop came up to me, and he was like, are you suicidal or homicidal? I said, eh, no. But, I mean, if a Mack truck came to hit me, I wouldn't stop it. Instantly arrested me, and I went to the suicidal tank. But right then and there, like, I got my first phone call, and I was talking to my mom, and I was telling her about how, uh, or she was like, I'm so sorry I called. Like, I didn't mean to do that. I didn't mean to betray you, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, dude, if you didn't, make that phone call, I was on my way to my death. Like, there was no stopping that. I was going to die. She's like, well, in that process, Josh called. We finally got to a rehab bed, mm -hmm. you know. So it's God's timing, you know. Long story short, I was in jail for 35 days. You know, I surrendered. Like, I was just telling God, you know, not me, you. Like, I can't do this. My will, I'm going to use again. But your will, you say you got to call in a purpose for me. Okay, here, take it. I don't want it. I don't want to use it anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And man. <laughs> I love that about your story, though, because in the midst of all of that, hearing this before, knowing her story a little bit, uh, even in my own story of surrender, I was in the midst of a really difficult time in my life um, when I was doing things I knew was wrong, and God called me into ministry. In the midst of all of that, and I, I think back to Paul, and Paul was persecuting Christians and literally living a lifestyle not pleasing to God. In the midst of all of that, God called him out. And I love that about your story as well. And so thank you for sharing that. Josh, what was the moment, man, that you feel like you truly... First of all, how many rehabs have you been in prior to the last one? Okay, so I've been to rehab 11 different times to about, yeah. I think, maybe about six different rehabs. I've been to rehab all over the state. Uh, yeah. Six different rehabs, 11 times. Yeah. Okay. Like some of the rehabs I went to, like uh, I went back multiple times. And then another one, like I had to restart the program like twice because I was just getting into trouble and different things at the rehabs I was at. Uh, I went to Georgetown Recovery Works twice. And then I went to the Isaiah House uh, four times. Uh, while I was at the Isaiah House, uh, I met my best friend, other than my wife, I met my best friend. His name's Matt Kidd. He's sitting right there. And uh, 
Shout out to Matt. <laughs> Shout out. And uh, so actually I got a phone call from him that was like, uh, he was like, man, I don't really know what you're going through or where you're at. I feel like, you know, you're kind of struggling right now based off your Facebook posts. But, you know, he, he told me, he was like, God spoke to me. And he, and I was like, what'd he say? And he was like, he said, go get Josh Stone. He's like, so man, I want to move you. I want to come grab, come grab you up. Uh, you come, you know, live with me up my holler. And I was like, what's a holler? <laughs> he was like, let me show so matt kid him and lauren newly married yeah. right yeah four kids between right. the both of them yep. we're like hey we're gonna move this guy who has been in 11 different rehab rehab is currently on heroin right now currently on a heroin god spoke to them said hey bring josh stone into your home yeah Wow. I was like, who would do something like that? Like, me and him was best buds in rehab, you know, and, like, I've always thought really highly of him, you know. But, like, still, though, I was, like, blown away at just the offer. Like, yeah. Because nobody would do that. I mean, there's, I mean, you can't really name somebody who would bring in a full-blown junkie into their house. Yeah. You know, but. So what happened? So I got there, and uh, he was like, man, you know, we'll go to church, and, uh, you know, we'll start. Well, we go to life groups. We start going to small groups, you know, and doing that. And, you know, Matt taught me real quick that, you know, the key to drug addiction is love and positive connections. Mm. And you're not going to find better love or positive connections than you will in the body of Christ, you yeah. know. So I fully submerged myself in this. And uh, so basically, like, I was there for a few months, uh, had a few months clean. And, uh, you know, I was staying clean from drugs, but, like, nothing was really changing within me. Yeah. Like that change wouldn't happen. It wasn't clicking. And, you know, you need tough friends in your life, you know. And Matt was that tough friend for me that was, you know, God would put it on his heart to point something out, you know, that I needed to fix or change, you know. And, uh, you know, he would do that. And I'm very grateful for that. Uh, well, one day uh, I had left this salsa bowl on, on their table. <laughs> A salsa bowl. A bowl okay. of salsa that I was right. eating chips out of, you know. Yeah. Just... Just snacking on some salsa one day and some chips. And I left it on their table for like three days. It could have been longer. It was probably longer. <laughs> we heard from the front row it was probably right. it longer. It was probably longer. Okay. Just an estimation. So, you know, I'm walking by this thing every day. I, I mean, I just, I don't know. I was walking by it every day. And I, I reckon, you know, looking back on it, Matt and Lauren's probably just kind of like waiting for me to pick it up and uh -huh. clean up after myself, you know. But I just wasn't changing. Like I said, I was very selfish, very selfish. And I didn't re really ever realize how selfish I was. I never even thought about that I'm a selfish person. That never, thought never crossed my mind. So, I mean, that, but that is like, that's the essence of the lifestyle, isn't it? Yeah. Because you're always looking for the next high. You're always looking yeah. for the next fix. You don't have a job. You don't have money coming in. Right. You're stealing, you're begging, you're borrowing, all those things. Yeah. doesn't matter about anyone else's life. doesn't matter what your $10 that you're asking from somebody is right. going to do to them. You just need it so that you can get high again. Yeah. So does that not explain really the lifestyle and the mentality of, of, of the addiction? Absolutely. Like, uh, you know, the way I look at it is that, like, I, like, when you get addicted to opiates or other drugs in a certain degree, like... It just takes over your mind, and there's there's two options: you can be dope sick, or you can get high, or you can get your drugs and not be dope sick. After so long, it quits really getting you super high. You just get to where you feel normal. So, like, you know, I was just embedded in 
you know, being dope sick is not an option for me. So, you know, I never really thought like, I never really cared like if I ask you for ten dollars, like if it's gonna hurt you, like I just know that I can't be dope sick anymore. So I have to figure out whatever I've got to do to get it. Well, Jenny said earlier, she said my mom was crying, and I told her to wipe her tears yeah. because I don't have time for that. I'm not concerned about your tears. I need to get high. I need to get this. So. Yeah. Back to the salsa bowl. So, yeah, so the salsa bowl had sat there for a while, and uh, we'll just put it like this. Uh, it sat there quite too long, and Matt lost his temper, to put it nicely. PG version. PG version. He, he was rather upset uh -huh. uh, that I had left it there. And basically, long story short, he basically took my selfishness and put it in my face and was like, look at how selfish you are. Yeah. That's not how he said it, but the words he did say conveyed this to me. <laughs> just put it that way and when I looked at it I was disgusted like I broke like he ended up leaving and I just broke into tears and I was just telling Warren like you know if this is if me being me makes people feel this way then I might as well leave and go back to Richmond which it wasn't me you know that's not the way it was but you know I've always indulged in negative self-talk I've always talked really bad about myself and mm -hmm. such but uh so I had to go to work that day at Bob Evans, and Lauren drove me to work, and I'm, like, uh, very upset and crying and just really down on myself that I had done this because, you know, these people have brought me in their home, and here I am, you know, being a slop around their house. Like, how disrespectful is that? So I'm beating myself up about it, and she's like, you know, like, calm down. Like, listen, did you learn anything? And I was like, yeah, I learned that I shouldn't be selfish anymore. Like, I'm selfish. And she's like, well, there you go you can be happy because you know how to fix the problem. Stop being selfish. Mm -hmm. So like everything changed. Like all of my sad feelings and everything went away. I could literally feel Jesus all over me. It was like this was the problem that I had had my whole life that I was selfish. So let's not be selfish. I knew how to fix my problem. And they taught me how to do that. And so, uh, so for the next week, you know, I woke up. I swept and mopped Lauren and Matt's entire house, and I started mopping it, and to the point where Lauren was like, listen, Josh, you've got to stop using my mop soap because I'm running out of mop soap. <laughs> you know, you don't have to sweep and mop my house every day. Like, we get it, you know. like, So I tried to find out. So I've, I've become on this madman mission of how I can be selfless, and that's, that's how, that's whenever I came to Jesus, that's whenever it all changed for me, isn't that moment? I love the fact that you just said in front of everyone, because we look at addiction and folks that are using and we say, you know, your problem is the drugs, your problem is the drugs. First of all, your problem is Jesus is not in your life, problem. okay? Yeah. Spiritual. Yeah. And then there's the selfish component. And I love the fact that you could stand here or sit here today and tell us that when you fix the selfishness, first of all, Jesus was in your heart already, you know? You fix the selfishness and that changed so much in your life. Man. Huge. Jesus is the one who said, if you want to follow me, you must deny yourself and follow me. Take up your cross yeah. and follow me. I love that about your story. Um, Jenny, let me ask you this. Um, what is your life like now compared to what it was like way back then? Well, <laughs> well I'm not the brightest crown in the box, okay? So, but interesting enough, coming here, I did not want to come here at all as you guys can kind of tell i'm from the city and you didn't want to be up the holler absolutely i did not <laughs> one of the biggest things that i was praying uh whenever i found out that i got you know my rehab and stuff like that was please god i don't want to talk like them 
funny enough. <laughs> what do you mean? I'm sorry. Y'all I'm sorry. say Ewins or Yuns or something like that. And yeah. I was just like, I don't want I don't want to do that. And but funny enough, here I am. And um, man, these holler city people or uh, y'all, y'all people. Y'all love, like yeah. y'all really genuinely love, and y'all don't care about no bubbles. Yeah. And us city people, like, we'll just, hey, what it do, fam? You know, that kind of thing. But, like, man, I've learned so much about love, and that was one of my biggest things was I didn't know how to properly give or receive love. Mm. And I'm learning that, and I'm still learning that. It's big. And I'm even learning how to love those that are the hardest, because crazy enough, there's been times when I was the hardest to love. Mm. But, um... The transformational piece is like throughout the heroin and all that stuff, like I lost so much, including my identity, you know, and man, let me tell you about some Jesus. Like today, I have all three of my boys that are like telling me that I'm mommy, reminding me I'm mommy and I love you. Praise I God. don't have custody of the other two, but yesterday I just seen them. Like I got to see them and it used to be where if I was in the same room, they was mute. I would sit there and, you know, hey, look at me type thing. And they're just, you know, what fake mom, you know? And now I'm mommy. I'm mommy now. Didn't mean a growl thing, but I'm mommy today. And, like, it's working. It's piece by piece, layer by layer. He's making me whole, which he already makes me whole. But he's fixing the crumbling pieces, you know? Like, man, and, like, I got to marry my best friend. <laughs> like, I used to think he was my brother type friend thing. And ironically enough, in rehab, I would always pray that God would bless him with somebody who's going to motivate him and love him and not use him and remind him of his worth and yah yah. And then one day it clicked. Wait, that's me. Look at that. I'm that girl. I'm his mate. And man, like God, I'm telling you, which it's not us by no means, because if we get that big head, watch how quickly, quickly we're going to fall. Yeah. You know, because we didn't die on that cross. You know, Jesus said, forgive them for they, not know, they know not what they do. Man, what if he didn't do that? Yeah. What if, like, wow, that forgiveness, though. I'm not trying to preach or anything, but I'm just saying, Let like, it out. <laughs> wow, how amazing is that? Took somebody who's not as bright as a crown, you know. But, man, after all those times I turned our, you know, our backs on him and still, like, I should have died in 2019. I should have died in 2017. Here I am on the stage on the charge, man. Like, what? How long have you been clean? Since uh, 21 months. Praise God for that. <laughs> Tell us, Josh, how long have you been clean? I've been clean for, uh, let's see, since February 9th of 2019, coming up on 1,000 days, not long. From Praise now. God. <laughs> Josh, um, tell me what's life like now compared to what it was like then. Okay, so my life in addiction was, I mean, when it comes down to it, every single day, like, I battled feelings of, like, wanting to, like, not live anymore. Like, I was so miserable. I was doing things that, like, I knew I shouldn't do, and I did them anyway because, I mean, I'm not going to be dope sick, you know? And, I mean, I stole from my mom. I took money out of my dad's wallet. I mean, I have... I've done things that, like, you know, I've done some crazy things, man, in, in my, of course, my addiction. And I just, all I, all I, anytime I looked in the mirror, I mean, I just was disgusted at what I seen in the mirror. Mm. But today, like, 
I have the joy of the Lord in my heart that Praise surpasses God. all understanding. Yeah. Like these Bible verses ain't just nice things to say. Like these are like the word of God has a heartbeat to it, as yeah. Matt has always taught me. And, and it's very true. Like the word is alive and it's alive in my life today. Like I can tell you when I started reading the Bible and I started writing in a prayer journal and I started connecting myself to positive people like you amazing people in this church, like it has completely transformed my life. Like today I have joy. When I look in the mirror, I see I see an awesome person, you know. Like I don't talk negatively t towards myself anymore and uh you know I mean, I could sit here and name things that I have or things that I'm doing right now, but the like I'm going to college today. I'm Yeah, to look a, at that. I mean, I'm married to an absolutely hilarious, beautiful, amazing person, you know. And uh, like I've got friends today. Like I've got, I've got real friends, you know. And you know, it's hard to like. So many things are flooding in my mind that I want to say of like how life is now. But the main thing is, is that like, you know, I'm I feel secure in my salvation. Praise God. Like I feel completely secure in my salvation, and I know that no matter what comes our way, no matter what happens, that that God has a plan and he's right here with us. Amen. Closing thoughts. Um, what would you like to say to folks that are out there today? And maybe it's not folks that are struggling with heroin addiction. Maybe it's other addictions. Maybe it's other things. We're all struggling with something. But for folks that you want to speak to today, what, what kind of encouragement would you give them based on your own transformation? So like <clears throat> one verse just popped in my mind and it's, if you seek first the kingdom of heaven, all of these things will be added unto you. Mm. If you can focus on developing a relationship with God, then one day you'll just kind of wake up and everything is like, it's not always perfect or by no means, but you will have joy. Like your life will be transformed. Like, I mean, it's, uh, it's surreal that like, it's really simple, you know? Like if we can just learn how to have a relationship with God and Jesus, like, then everything seems to work itself out. I mean, our, um, like our, our, our clarity here at this church, our, our mission, if you will, the vision that God has given us is that we exist so that more people experience transforming relationships through Jesus Christ. And so we believe in, in vertical relationship with Jesus, of course, but we believe in relationships with each other as well. And I think you've already spoke to that. But talk about that just real briefly about what it means to be in relationship with other people in the church. I mean, it's everything. Like, <clears throat> I believe, like, I, like I was saying earlier, like the, the key to not just drug addiction, but the key to like, you know, one of the keys to having a good relationship with God is having positive connections in your life, positive Christian connections, you know. And, like, even, like, like when we, we, we do, like, the small groups and stuff, like, I look forward to that every week because, like, I know that I can, I've got a group of people that I can, that I can just talk about my stuff with, man. And they're not going to judge and, and stuff like that. But it's just, it feels really good to have the, the horizontal relationships, you know yeah. what I mean? Yep. Like, it. It's amazing. Awesome. Jenny, what is it? What kind of advice would you like to give to folks that are struggling today? Sorry, I'm starting to get emotional. You're good. You're good. Let the spirit flow. Uh, 
What was the question? I'm so sorry. <laughs> what advice would you give to oh, other yeah, folks this. that are struggling okay, listen, right now? Listen, God did not make you to be in a box. Okay, so take yourself out of the box. And in that same exact timing, take him out of the box too. He's not in a cloud. Yeah. He's everywhere. He's the all-knowing, all-seeing, and he cares. He genuinely cares. Like, I'm not trying to get emotional at all, but God has funny jokes. Anyways, but, man, I used to think that I was bad. I used to think that I wasn't good enough, that God had it all wrong, that I didn't have a calling and purpose. I thought that, you know, I was too bad to have friends or to have people love me. I'm not trying to get emotional. I'm so sorry. But, man, today I have sisters. I have friends. Oh, I'm not trying to get emotional. I'm so sorry. <laughs> You're fine. I'm not trying to have cry. That was another thing. Like, I would get so mad at myself when I would cry. Like, I would get so mad to the point, like, I would punch myself. I would cut myself, whatever. And today, they're just rolling. You know, flow, but... Sweetheart. I, someone told me, I had an old sponsor, and she would tell me that those tears, that random laughter, that rebunctiousness about you, that's God's presence. That's him putting his hands on you. That little clove, or however you want to say it, like, man, like, God, let me tell you, like, he's real. He's the real deal. He's not fake, and we're not promoting anything. We're not about to go get no mansion after we get off this stage. Like, we got salvation. Signs so delivered. Amen. He didn't just deliver us for ourselves. He delivered us to go, man, like, he made us on purpose for a purpose. Like, yeah. literally, he did that for a reasoning, not for our own selfish desires. Not trying to preach. But <laughs> Josh and Jenny, thank you guys so much for sharing your testimony with us today. Honestly, it means the world to us. So thank you guys. And uh, I know it's not, not easy to sit up here in front of everyone, especially in your home church and talk about what God has done. But I'm so thankful for that because I, I know, I know folks in this room today and folks that are watching online today are going to be blessed and have hope today because of the transformation they've seen in your life. So thank you guys so much for doing that. Thank you. <laughs> One of the scriptures that uh, Josh and Jenny shared with me prior to today um, that just kind of reflects, I'm going to invite the worship folks to come up, uh, kind of reflects where their heart has been through this whole transformation in their lives um, is found in Philippians chapter uh, 1 and verse 6. When Paul would say this, Paul said, being confident of this very thing, that he who begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. He who begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. The NIV says that he will carry it through to completion. I want you to know today that whatever you're struggling with, whatever that thing is, I don't know what it is in your life. Maybe it's not heroin. Maybe it's not even drugs. Maybe it's not even alcohol. Maybe it's something completely different. I want you to know that the Bible tells me that he will carry you through to completion. As Jenny just sat right there on that couch and said, if you have accepted Jesus as your Savior, your salvation is signed, sealed, and delivered. Signed, sealed, and delivered. Man, it's so powerful. It's just so powerful. So in that spirit, I just want to tell you today that whatever you're dealing with, whatever you're going through, whatever you've gone through, He's still writing your story. We celebrate stories at Warehouse Church. We want to celebrate you. 
Most of all, we want to celebrate God in you. Because when he is in you, he's going to do miraculous things that you would never be able to do on your own. Whatever it is today, whatever you're dealing with, let's take a moment as Chandler and Lindsay and James lead us here at the end. Let's just take a moment. Let's worship him. Let's throw our hands up in the air. Let's praise him. And if today you don't know him as your savior, I want to be sitting on the front row. I would love to tell you more about a a God that loves you so much that he gave his life for you. He died on the cross in your place. I would love to tell you more about him. Would you stand with me? Father, I thank you for this day. I thank you for the stories that you're telling God. Your fingerprints are all over all of our lives. God, you tell a story of redemption. You tell a story of transformation in us and through us. Are we perfect? Absolutely not. Jenny and Josh would never tell anyone that they're perfect. But God, you're still writing their story as well. What we know for sure is just what Paul said in in Philippians chapter 1 verse 6 that you will carry us through to completion. To that I am certain. God, we love you most of all. Thank you for our Savior and your Son, Jesus Christ. It's in Him and through Him that we can pray today. Everyone says. So open up. This is what we call an altar. Uh, This is a place where you can come and pray. You can kneel down. You can worship. You can do whatever you want. You can do the same thing from your seats where you are, or from your living room or dining room, wherever you are today. Whatever it means to you, let's worship God and seek after Him in this moment.